What a blessing it is to be in the presence of the name of Jesus. Amen. We speak that name and there's peace in that name. Uh, I would encourage you uh, to be sure that you have some notes, uh, sheets uh, from your bulletin. If you didn't get that, you can uh, pick one up, go back and get one in the back. We've been in an amazing study this summer. Uh, Our summer series is called Welcome Holy Spirit, and we've been welcoming Holy Spirit among us uh, across the summer. And there have been some great teachings from our teaching team. If you missed some of those, you would probably want to go back and uh, check on those and, and, uh, and, and get caught up a little bit. Last weekend, uh, we had uh, we, a very thorough, broad, uh, expansive teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're, we're kind of following up on that now. There's a lot in the scripture that's about the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to read one of those passages this morning, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning verse 27. I just want to start with this reading from our scripture. So let's give all of our attention to the word of God. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Now let's stand and pray. Father God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us and among us and that Holy Spirit is welcome here and present here and we pray that you would be our teacher. We we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever picked out the perfect gift a gift that you, you just knew was going to be the right thing. You thought about it, you watched, you got really good ideas about it, you, you looked and you searched and you invested in this gift that you really, really want to give. And you're excited to bring to this person that's very special. And, and you're, just, you're just thrilled to, to come to that moment where you'll get to see them open that gift Because you knew, you just knew that they had to be so pleased and and they would be so blessed and they would be so touched at at the special effort uh, that you made, that you went into to pick the perfect gift, of course. But then uh, the person reacted differently than you expected. (laughs) Have you ever had that happen? (laughs) 
Um, maybe, maybe they looked at the gift and pondered it for a moment and, and then set it aside without even opening it. Uh, maybe they said something like, well, I, I think I'll open this one later. Or, or maybe they said, you know, this is, this is wrapped so beautifully. I don't want to disturb the wrapping, so I, I'm just going to set it aside for a while. And, and I'll open these others. They're not so pretty. <laughs> Let me ask you, just how would that make you feel? After you had given so much effort to to this preparation for this moment. We once uh, had a relative who, <laughs> it was kind of funny because we got used to it, but he, he made a sort of science of carefully, very carefully unwrapping a gift, taking the wrapping off without disturbing it, and then taking a peek inside, and then putting it back in the wrapping and setting it aside still in the wrapping. It was a sort of science to him. I mean, he was all engrossed with that. And then we never really knew if he really liked the gift until later, if it showed up on him or in his wardrobe or something like that. Sometimes we, we get a sort of puzzled response when we, uh, when we give a gift, when a gift is received, a puzzled response. Yeah, are you familiar with that one? <laughs> uh, I've given some gifts and, and I've gotten the response, well, I'm not really sure what it is. My mother used to, sometimes I thought I had gotten a good gift, she said, I'm not really sure what I'll do with this. You get that puzzled response uh, because you don't really know if it's the right thing. Maybe it doesn't look like it's the, the thing and, and they ponder it for a little while. You know, there's this practice that I've just heard about it in the last few years called re-gifting. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what do you do with a gift that you really are not sure you want or you don't think you'll ever use? Maybe you're receiving it and it doesn't seem to fit or it doesn't seem to be the right color or it's not really your style. So you might look around for someone that this, this would, maybe this will work better for you <laughs> and I'm going to re-gift this. Now, you do know you have to be very, very careful about that. <laughs> you don't want that showing up, you know, in, in an obvious place, an obvious way. Um, but the truth is we love to see a gift Received with joy. Amen. I mean, that's just kind of what it's all about. In fact, it's part of why we put so much, I don't know, in our family, we put a lot into wrapping. Sometimes it seems like competitive wrapping <laughs> that goes on. But we, we really love to see that look of joy, don't we? So does God. So does God. You see, it makes a difference how we receive gifts. Especially gifts from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we, I think, sort of get the idea that receiving gifts from the Holy Spirit is a little bit like the holiday season. And it's just a little bit like sitting around the Christmas tree. And well, if I'm not sure, I may set this aside. Or if I don't really know what it's going to be, I may, uh, may put it in a special pile. Or maybe we open it and we look at it puzzled. Or we even think, I think this would fit better for somebody else. How about this person over here? I know you intended it for me, but I think I'll re-gift this. And those aren't really options that we have in terms of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here's why. If there's anything I know for sure, it's this. Holy Spirit is the perfect gift giver. Amen? He would have to be. He, he knows you better than anybody. 
He knows your needs better than anybody. He, he knows the things that are going on in your life. He knows what you'll really like. He knows what will look good on you. He knows what you need to look good on you. He knows all these things. He's the perfect gift giver. And so he's going to give the, the perfect fit, the perfect match, the perfect color. And I think he's eager to see you open and receive a gift that he has designed and chosen for you. Why would he not be? In fact, I found myself studying this this week. And I thought, I thought, I wonder if Holy Spirit doesn't get sort of giddy. <laughs> I mean, we do. If there's a gift that I'm really excited for, for one of my children to open or for my wife to open, I'm just kind of excited about it. I wonder if Holy Spirit doesn't get that way. And in fact, he may work carefully in wrapping a gift for you. What, what does that mean? He may wrap it in circumstances that you didn't anticipate. And it's at that moment that you really, really, really need that gift. And when you open it, you realize this. Oh, the perfect thing. I wouldn't have thought of it. But oh, this is the perfect thing that I needed so much. The more I've studied uh, this area, and I've been studying a lot this summer, um, I've discovered that most gifts of the Holy Spirit are given because of something that needs to be done and will not be manifested except as the enablement for that need. There's something that needs to be done. So we may not even know we need a gift. How many of you know when the gift is the right thing? Boy, you really need it. You don't know you need that little gadget that'll blow up your tires until you're way out on the road somewhere. <laughs> And that was a really, really good gift. And would be a really good gift at that moment because of the need. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works in the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about it some last week. You know, we talk about some of these gifts like the gift of tongues in Acts chapter 2. The people were enabled to speak in languages, known languages of the world, but that they had never learned. They did not know them. And suddenly they're speaking in languages they didn't know. And so when would that be manifested? When, When there's a need. And I've talked to missionaries who have seen this happen. It's not that common, but they've seen this exact thing happen. Let me just ask a question. Is there anybody here today who needs to hear the gospel in Swahili? Is there anybody? You don't know any other language, but you do know Swahili. Okay, so we don't need that particular gift today, all right? But there may be other situations. I mean, I could ask you, is there anyone here who's hit a wall? I mean, hit a wall in your life and you simply cannot pray anymore because you don't know how to pray anymore about a specific need, a specific situation. You just can't even find the words. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote about that in Romans eight twenty six. He said, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, is the way that the Apostle Paul described it. And and that's the thing that we find in in the book of Corinthians. It's a a language of prayer. Um, The language of heaven is sometimes called. It's something that we don't understand or we would not understand. But it's for a specific need, a specific time. And so that would be manifested for that time and in that situation, in those needs. Sometimes intercessors 
find they, there's this need, this intercessory need, but they don't know how to pray for it. And so this is a very helpful gift. We hear people say sometimes, well, you know, I couldn't possibly do that. You know? I, I don't have time. I don't have the ability. I, I just, you know, I'm, there's not, 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 not for me. And of course, you could say, well, I'll, I'll pray uh, for God to rearrange my time and help me with my time and to give me the ability. You know, he can do that. In fact, God may rearrange your life so that you have more time. <laughs> if any of you had that happen. Yeah, that happens sometimes. And, and then begin to receive whatever the ability, whatever the gifting is that's needed for that situation. Well, hopefully, our response is to excitedly receive the spiritual gift that has been prepared for you. Even if we don't know quite all about it or don't know what it is. Um, And the truth is, we have to put a gift on and we have to use it uh, to begin to operate in that gift. You know, I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about those, you know, lovely times at holidays. And in our family, our, our boys have this funny thing they started doing years ago and they do every year. If you give them clothes, they go off and they put them on and they come back in. And then they do a fashion show. They, they walk, the, you know, do the whole thing. It's really quite fun. And because um, we kind of expect that this is what's going to happen. But you have to put on and operate and use a gift. And we also, we need to understand we don't covet the gifts that are wrapped and labeled for others. We don't say, well, I want that gift because I like the way that looks. We receive what is designed and given for us. And we don't, we don't open the gifts under the tree that are not for us. I mean, two-year-olds do that. We know that, right? <laughs> you leave a two-year-old around the tree long enough and you'll come in and everything's unwrapped. So, uh, but we don't do that. But we receive with gratitude and joy the gift that he is giving. And the Lord actually commands us to earnestly desire that moment. And that's the phrase that I want to focus on. Earnestly desire the gifts that are from him. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. Okay, that's your pursuit, love. That's... The greatest of all these is love, and and that's right in the middle of all this teaching on the gifts. But earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, especially that you may have um, anointed utterance. And so we are to, to want good gifts from him for his purpose. We're to want those things. You know, I don't know about you, but I, uh, every year I get this. It's called the birthday quiz. Do you get this? It's, what do you want for your birthday? And uh, my kids will ask, you know, Dad, what do you want for your birthday? So after we get past the Harley Davidson jokes, oh, those aren't jokes in your family. <laughs> well, for, they are in my family. Um, I usually say, I mean, I say, I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. I don't really want a thing. I just really want to be with you. You are so, that you're so thoughtful is everything. And so I'm really, really happy with that. It's just the hardest thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but Holy Spirit does not ask us what gifts we want. He doesn't. Instead, he asks us to earnestly desire the gifts, gift or gifts that he's chosen for us. 
earnestly desire those. You mean without even knowing what they are? Yeah. Because you don't even know what you need. You don't even know what the body needs. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And that's what he calls us to. God has appointed the gifts within his church, the body of Christ. That's what our scripture said in verse 27. It said, now you are the body of Christ. If you are saved, if you are a Christ follower, you are body of Christ. Whether you operate in it, you know, actively or not, you are body of Christ. And, and you are individually members of it. You are peace. You are a part of it. And God is appointed in the church giftings. He goes through a bunch of them, not all of them. We went through all of them last weekend. But he, he's appointed. That's a really powerful word in Greek. It's the word tithemi. Tithemi. Say that with me. Tithemi. And it looks like it has the word tithe in it. Some would turn this into a, a sermon about tithing. The, the word tithe is not in it. I just want to assure you of that. That was kind of a joke, folks. All right. <laughs> um, but the, the word uh, is related to the word theos, meaning God. It means to place purpose, ordain, set, or commission. Boy, I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. To place purpose, ordain, set, or commission. And, and so because the word theos is in there, <clears throat> it's saying that a God-appointed gift is made and nothing could be more perfect for the body and for you as you function within the body. Now, last week we looked at the, well, there's 25 named in the uh, New Testament. There are three more that are combination gifts that I, I spoke about last weekend. And it was a little bit like drinking from a fire hose, we said, because there's just so much. It's a great big... Uh, whole thing of gifts. And let me just say, all those gifts are not operative in one person, certainly not all at once. And they're probably not operative in one person even across their lifetime. Uh, That would be very unlikely. But Holy Spirit gives these gifts to the church for the saints' common good. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing as we gather together. All of those gifts were active in the first century, and all of them are available today. There's no reason to think that they are not. So the question I'm asking this morning, or I've been kind of pondering all week, is how do we position ourselves to receive the gifts chosen for us? Would you like that? Would you like to receive the gifts? Yeah. The gifts appointed um, and the gifts that are chosen for us. Um, I want to suggest to you there are five things that you can do. And some of them, you know, we've talked about before. But the first is to educate yourself. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uneducated. And we often stay away from things that are unfamiliar or uncomfortable. So that's part of why we need to be educated. We need to know what those things are. Even if they're not going to be operative in us, we just need to know what they are and become familiar with them. Otherwise, we're just familiar with the ways of the world and we float in that direction instead of uh, working within the giftings of the Spirit. Did you ever say to someone, you know, you had a great gift for them and you said, now close your eyes, close your eyes. Don't peek. Hold out your hands. You ever do that? In my family, I had brothers. I would never do that. 
There's no telling what I would find in my hands. I'm just saying, okay. But it, ta- it takes a measure of trust uh, to do that. But I would say that for the most part, Holy Spirit never says this. I mean, there may be times. I've known people who received a gift and they didn't have a clue what was happening when that gift came upon them, when the Spirit fell upon them. But for the most part, uh, we, we receive things that we know about. He, he doesn't say, okay, you know, bow. And, and the reason I say that is because large portions of your Bible, our scripture, educate us, are written about these gifts of the Spirit so that we will not be uninformed, so we will not be ignorant. We will be educated. So we need to, that's what we're doing right now. That's why we're studying this. Pastor Jeff, why are we studying this? Don't we study through large portions of scripture? Yes, we do that. In the summer, we try to do a topical study. The second thing I I would bring to you is to open yourself to whatever God may have for you. One of the the problems we have is that uh, people will close themselves off from being used by the Holy Spirit in the church or, or do, having anything to do with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to close myself. I, it's a little weird, a little scary to me. I'm going to close myself off from that. Whole doctrines have been written about that. Well, God's not allowed to do this anymore. Okay? I've talked about that some. And so we need to open ourselves and offer ourselves. Is there a talent that God wants you to offer to him to be used for his glory? You know, I've met so many, I think about musicians a lot, but I know many musicians, and they say, well, I've, I've played, but I've played in clubs. I've played in you know, all these other places. You know how many of these people have played in clubs and all, other, all kinds of other places? But one day God got a hold of them, and they offered their gift to God in these places for his glory. And so they began to, you know, operate in that gifting in that way. Is there an area where you lack confidence that God may want to turn that lack of confidence toward his strength? You know, almost every time in the Bible when there's some big, huge thing that's going to happen, the person is weak or they feel weak about it. They don't feel they're up to it. And God says, good, now I can work in you. Because if you're full of yourself... It's kind of hard for him to work in you, right? That makes sense. So if we come and we say, well, I'm really good at this, God. And so, no, when I'm weak and, and willing to offer myself, you know, we have all these needs around. We have needs for teachers. We have needs in the Sunday school. We have needs in the youth ministry. We have all these needs. And it's easy to say, well, I've never done that. Okay. Well, there's always a first time. Everybody had a first time. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, then you can be trained and you can become comfortable with that. And God's gifting can be there. It's an amazing thing. Is there, is there a wound or a hurt in your life that God wants to transform for his glory? You know, there are, there are needs for healing in the body of Christ that I can't really touch. I can listen. I can, I can approach. I can pray. Um, but I haven't had that hurt, that loss, that wound. But if you have, and God's been healing you in that, you can offer that. And it is amazing. And it's an amazing continuation of healing in your life as you operate in the spirit in that way. It's an amazing thing. Sometimes we just need to look around to where God is at work. 
I like the way that Henry Blackaby says it. He says, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. Look around. Open yourself. Look around. If there's a need, at least approach the need and say, is there some way that I could help here? I've never done that. I've never done this. I've never been engaged in this sort of thing, but I'd like to join. I see God at work here. I'd like to join in that. And I'd like to get involved. The third is to pray for and develop this earnest desire for your spiritual gifts. That means really it's opening ourselves. But there are two scriptures that call us to this. And it's very specific. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, we just looked at it. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We must pursue the giver, pursue love, but then earnestly desire the gifts as our priority. And we're commanded to do that. He doesn't say, well, consider this. Uh, Think about this. Pray for God to stir up that interest, that desire for you to discover your spiritual gifts. Um, that phrase, it's two words, but it really comes from one word in Greek. A lot of times Greek is so kind of rich, it takes two English words to define it. It's the word zelao. It's, it's the DZ is kind of hard, but let's try it. Zelao, okay? So zelao is where we get the word zeal. And it means to have a warm feeling, uh, zeal or zealousness. It also means to covet or desire even to be jealous over something. So it's a very powerful emotion. It's actually the emotion of God. It's described a lot in scripture, uh, used to describe God in the way he regards you. I'm jealous for you. I'm jealous for your time. I'm jealous for your attention, for your energy. When you have idols and you're worshiping other things, I am jealous about that. God says that a whole lot in his scripture. When you're walking in some way that is not holy, he is jealous to have you in his holiness and to call you back into his holiness. So God covets, God earnestly desires a relationship with you and is zealous for that. And we're to have that same warm desire for God and for his gifts. Which ones? The gifts that the giver is choosing for you in his body. It's not to earnestly desire one gift because it's kind of flashy or it seems neat or someone told you you should have this gift. If you're, if you're really going to be spiritual, you'll have this gift. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about being, I'm earnestly desiring and really I'm open <laughs> I'm earnestly desiring whatever you will bring, however you will use me. Now, there are apparently higher gifts. Because in in verse 31, he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. What in the world is a higher gift? I mean, we might immediately think of those that draw a lot of attention. You know, the upfront stuff. You know, like what I'm doing. The preacher and the teacher and the prophet, the apostle, those kinds of things. Um... But I was reminded as I thought about this, what Jesus said. Jesus said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. I remember having a conversation a long time ago. It was not in this church, but it was in another church years ago. 
And I don't know how we got onto it. It was kind of like, well, who, who would be the most spiritual person in our church? And it just came to my mind, you know, maybe it was kind of word of wisdom or something like that, but it came to my mind. We probably don't know them because they draw so little attention to themselves. They probably spend hours in prayer that we never see. They probably do things so inconspicuously but so powerful that we never notice them. They probably look and see these things in these caring moments and in words of encouragement. Yeah, if I pointed them out, you would know who they are, but you probably don't even know them. And I think that's higher gifting. If I listen to what Jesus has to say, in God's view, many of the higher gifts probably draw no attention uh, to self. The fourth thing would be simply to listen. Engaging with the Holy Spirit is a lot about listening. Isaiah 28, 23 says, Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. You know, a lot of times we, we get the idea that God's not listening to us. God must not be listening to me. God, he's not hearing my prayers. I don't think he's hearing what I've got to say. And really what we need to do is be listening to him. Uh, that's a very powerful verse. Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. If we listen, God will speak. And a lot of times with gifts of the Spirit, this, this is very important. First Timothy 4, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Do not neglect the gift you have. And, you know, there are probably a number of them. It was probably... We know he was a pastor. He was gifted as a pastor. Timothy was. Which was given you by prophecy. It was spoken over you when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So a, a gift is sometimes spoken if we will listen. Many times it's people closest to us who will speak. And we will discover gifting in that way. Now it might be, it might sound kind of formal. It might feel a lot like a prophetic word or something. You know, I mean, I have people come and they say, you know, I think I have a word for you. And that's kind of a, okay, I'm listening. But it could be something much, on a much simpler level. I mean, I've had people, you know, come and say, you know, I, I, I wonder if you've ever thought about this. You know, I found myself in that situation where I've, I've talked to people and I've said, hey, have you ever thought that you might be a pastor? And usually there's a little shock there, you know. I don't think, I, I don't know, well, yeah. But that could be a gifting that he's wanting to work in you. There are lots of different gifts that we would hear and in small groups and in close relationships, we might hear from other people who see in us that God is at work to bring something. And then that is confirmed in other ways. You know, some gifts are more comfortable and some are less. Have you noticed that? <laughs> and a good fit is not a bad thing. Working in areas, if, you, if you're comfortable teaching, I think there's a, this really good thing to develop that as a gift of the Spirit, not just being a good secular teacher, but being a teacher of God's things, a teacher of God's truth. Um, we may, though, actually find that the most wonderful experience with God is in something we never expected, an area that we would not have thought of. Some of the gifts uh, seem intimidating. They seem even strange to us. 
But if we will listen and hear you know, those things and, and walk in those things, it can be very powerful. Be open and listen. And let me just say, even in what we might call the messy gifts. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I had never seen that phrase until this week. I was doing a lot of reading and a lot of studying, and I found a writer, and he talked about, well, you know, the messy gifts. And he was talking about supernatural gifts. I looked to see his background, and of course, he was what we call a Reformed background, which is Presbyterian. So the supernatural stuff is just, that seems kind of messy. Um, And he talked about that, about how the supernatural gifts require us to give up control to God. Supernatural gifts are not within our control and they can even feel a little bit embarrassing to us because we're surrendering control in this situation. And, and, and it can happen in, in much more common sorts of ways. I have had times where I got up to preach and then I sat down and I just had to say, where did that come from? Because that's not what I prepared and that's not what I was thinking and I don't know where that And I've even had people come up to me and say, Pastor, where did that come from? (laughs) Let me say, though, to operate in the Spirit, I don't know anything that is more gratifying, that has a greater sense of fulfillment in my walk with God or in your walk with God. And sometimes the messy gifts are a little bit like that. I mean, I've prayed for people for healing, and they've been healed, and I've just been amazed at it. But those are difficult gifts. Healing is a very difficult thing, because here's the big question with healing. We pray and pray and pray, and we express great faith. And why? Why is it in this situation someone is is dramatically and supernaturally healed and raised up, and we go, wow, we know God was at work. And in another situation, they are not. Why? And I just have to say I have questions too. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask some questions. If they're still floating around, I'll, still, I'll be asking some questions about some of those situations. But what we don't want to do is back away from those messy, out-of-our-control situations and say, I'm just not going to get engaged in that. I think it's the worst thing that we could do. I'm just, we're just not going to pray for healing anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Boy, the enemy loves that. So we want to be open and we want to listen. And then the last one is something that Paul wrote again to Timothy, and that is to fan into flame. 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I know you have this gift. I don't know what he's talking about here. It could be preaching, and he felt timid about preaching. It could be something else. You need to fan that. You've got to work at it. What? What does that mean? The, the word in Greek is a compound word, and I'm not even going to try to say it with us together, but it's a compound word, and it means to stir up and rekindle. It was used to describe, you know, when you have a fire, and it's all, it's kind of burned down, and there's just embers there, but if you stir it up, and if you blow on it a little, it flames up. That's the word in Greek that is used here. And it's a powerful word. Exercise the gift that has been given to you. Do not neglect it or the embers will begin to fade and go out. 
I mean, in the, in the business world, they say use it or lose it, don't they? This is similar, but I think this is even bigger. Fan into flame means get the right fuel and get the right oxygen so that your gift can be exercised in the right situation and then seek Holy Spirit to breathe upon it. Invest your spiritual gifts as you discover them. There's an amazing parable that Jesus taught in... Um, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Now, a talent was, was a coin. A talent was a measure of silver. And a man was uh, leaving, and he gave his three servants different amounts of this money. He gave one servant five talents, one servant two talents, and one servant one talent. Um, they don't talk about the reaction among them or anything like that. But when he returned, the servant that was given five talents had earned five more. Maybe he knew that that would happen. I don't know. The servant with two talents had gained two more, but the servant with the one talent had buried the talent in the ground. And that's kind of the big point of this. Don't bury your talent in the ground. In the end, that one talent was taken from him and given to another. If we don't exercise the gift, if we don't walk in the gift, if we don't move in the gift... Uh, it may very well be taken from us. It occurred to me that complacency is the tool of the enemy. A.W. Tozer is a real famous theologian, and he said it this way. Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. And so in terms of our spiritual progress, we're not talking about, you know, you know, being content in God. But we are talking about our spiritual progress. We don't want to be in a place where we say, well, I, I'm saved. I've got everything I need. I, I'm here for eternity, so, okay. No. Where we want to be is earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts that he has appointed, chosen for each and every one of us. That's where we want to be. Well, I, I wrote a prayer for you and for me. And um, it just simply comes out of this teaching, but I think it's helpful for us to kind of verbalize what, uh, what we've been studying. So I want to invite you to stand, and if you will, join me in this prayer. Ready? Holy Spirit, you know me better than anyone. Reveal to me your purpose in me. Show me the gifts that you desire to manifest in me for the body of Christ. Show me where you are at work and how I can join you. Reveal to me the unique ways that you can use wounds that you are healing in my life as a point of healing for others. Show me the higher places of ministry that you have for me. Help me to fan into flame the gifts you have placed in me. Keep me from the sin of complacency. In Jesus' mighty name. Father God, we ask that you would speak the name of Jesus over us. That you would breathe the breath of Holy Spirit upon us and through us. That we may be the body of Christ you have designed us to be and operate. In every good gift, we earnestly desire this. In Jesus' name, amen.